Thank you for joining the Relief from Grief podcast by Mrs. Miriam Ribiat and Hevra Lomde Mishnah. Our goal is to help you find the chizik you may need and the comfort of knowing that you are not alone. To sponsor an episode, visit hevralomdemishnah.org forward slash podcast and bring comfort to listeners like you. Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for joining me here tonight on the Relief from Grief podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Eloy Nishmas Shmuel Yaakov Ben Eliyahu. And we have on Mrs. Chaya Ginsberg, who is a well-known BYA teacher. Thank you so much for coming on, Mrs. Ginsberg. My pleasure. So I, I guess we could just start a little bit with your story. I know that you lost a daughter a few years ago. I'm not sure how many years ago it was. 16. Oh, it's 16 years already? Mm-hmm. Okay, so why don't we talk about that a little bit? How old was she when she was Nifter? Rifki was 32 years young. She was 32 years young? And she had how many children did she have? Four. The youngest, wow. one, the youngest wasn't bar mitzvah yet. It was right I, bar mitzvah. She, she was sick for like a while or it was sudden? No, she was sick for a while. She was sick. Wow. So let me ask you like this. Did her patira impact your relationship with her children? I guess either in a good way or in a bad way. At the time that Rifki was after, we were all mourning in our own ways. I don't think we focused on our relationships with each other as far as good or bad. As far as being, you know, good or bad, I couldn't answer that. But we held on to each other for dear life. And we respected the space that we each needed. We're both more close with each other and have a special soft spot for these Eneklach. And none of the other Eneklach, the other, none of the other grandchildren are jealous of this as they both have their mothers. They live near you? Two live in Lakewood and two live in Barapak. But we get to see everybody. Mm-hmm. Or it means saying, well, her children are married already. Yes, Baruch Hashem. Uh-huh. Very nice. Okay. Yes. What was it, the fear was, if it was hard to have a relate, if, if your son-in-law kind of got in the way of a relationship, if you wanted something from his children that he didn't want, like, how was that? Baruch Hashem, we never had anything like that. I, that's Baruch Hashem, very, very foreign for me. Wow, you're lucky, Baruch Hashem. I am very lucky. Do you know anyone that had like a story like that? A positive one? Negative. And the reason that I'm asking about negative is because I'm really asking if you um, like would have any tips for anyone that has Negative is a strong word. I, I think I find it hard to absorb why somebody would be jealous of a person that was nifter. So if you're going to take a place and remarry, then the fact that you can deal with knowing that the person who's nifter can't really hurt you in any way. It should be something that I don't I don't understand how it's so difficult for people to be able to not be jealous of a dead person. If you don't have that and you're able to have your children allow pictures of their mother or of their father, that'd be amazing. It doesn't have to be on the piano, but you know, just to be able to give the kids that that freedom. No, I but I don't even mean I don't even mean jealous if there's a remarriage. I'm talking about if I don't know, the, the grandmother wants to have them for supper every Monday night and the son-in-law says, absolutely not. They're my children and they're not starting to come to you once a week. I don't know. I'm thinking of I never had anything like that. I can't even, I can't respond to that. I've actually never experienced everything. Everything. No yeah. idea. Every side decided that they were going to make the best of it and the most of it and accept it and very graciously. So I, Hashem, I can't answer that question. Baruch Hashem, I, I don't have that. I never had that. Hashem didn't give me that Nisayon, Baruch Hashem, and didn't give wow. them Nisayon either. What happened after Shiva? You went straight back to teaching? Yep. Went straight like back to teaching. 
I went right back to teaching, and I think it was one of the best therapies I ever could have had. I was able to share a lot of my thoughts and my feelings and emotions with my high school students. They were close enough to me and far enough for me that I could share without being uncomfortable or embarrassed or anything like that. They were they were wonderful. Your students were wonderful? They were there for me. Absolutely. Like how? You have any examples? I'm curious. You're able to share. When you have somebody that's close enough and yet far enough, you're able to share feelings. And they gave me a tremendous amount of chizuk just by being there for me. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's so nice. Was there anything that anyone said during Shiva that you found especially comforting? Anyone and everyone, young or old, from or not, had something nice to say, an interaction, a memory, a story about Rifki that was a Nechama. So does that mean that no one said anything like stupid that made you feel like that um, hurt you? You didn't, you didn't ask me that. You asked me, was there anything that anyone said during Shiva that found me comforting? What was it like with you and your husband? Were you able to like draw strength from each other or you were too different? Your ways of mourning were too different? We definitely drew chizuk from each other and we shared the pain. My husband cried much more, much more openly. He's much more emotional than I am. So when you mention Rifki's name, as long as, however many years it was, or a song that she sang or any kind of something that would trigger, he would cry. Wow. Did it get you like annoyed ever or like you were good with it? You understood that was annoyed. No one should be annoyed for somebody when somebody else is in pain. Why would it be annoyed? Why would you be annoyed? Because sometimes a spouse could be annoyed if it's not, if they're in a good mood and they're happy and suddenly the spouse starts crying because someone mentioned the name. I'm sorry. If it's your husband's pain, why would you be annoyed? That Everyone has their own way of grieving. And if that was something that made him feel better, why would I be annoyed? Mm-hmm. Okay, well, so I'm telling you that that's very special then, because there are a lot of times that spouses, you know, they mourn so differently, and it could definitely take a toll on their shalom bias. So, okay, so Baruch Hashem for you. <laughs> if, they, if they lose someone, the thing that's going to help them, you know, work it out is that they should be able to share it together and not be judgmental on how each you know, each person deals with their, with their tsar. Right, right. It's true, but I guess, you know, sometimes it could be hard. Okay, so I know that recently you lost your husband. I guess my question is if it's weird to to ask how the different losses could compare to each other. The holes in my heart from losing different people are in different sections of my heart. Losing a child is not the same pain as losing a spouse, or my one and only favorite younger sister, Shami Reinman, or my parents, or my beloved grandmother. Each loss comes from a different place and has many different angles to it. I will tell you that I, my mother had a very, very close, very best friend of hers. And every single time she saw me, she would just birth out and burst out crying. Because I just reminded her something about me, reminded her of my mother. Wow. So it's just different. Every single loss is a different loss, reaching in different places, and they can't be compared to each other. Does the loss of your husband bring up the pain of your daughter more? Or not necessarily? Yes, because I can't share that with him. I would say probably yes. So even though time has passed, which supposedly as the neshama goes up higher, the pain is less um, painful. But for sure, when the earth side comes and I have to share it, but I do it by myself, it's going to definitely be more difficult. Mm-hmm. Okay. Are there any stories from, from that shiva or from any shiva that were especially helpful or harmful? Oh, harmful. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> not to leave out the word this time. <laughs> for this question, okay, absolutely. Let's talk about harmful. Not really harmful, but I'd say more like painful. I started writing a book. 
It's called Shiva for Dummies. <laughs> and I am positive that there are many people who sat Shiva that can add some personal stories to my book. Number yes. one, halachas should be taught. You're not supposed to speak in front of a person or in front of the person sitting Shiva. You're not supposed to speak first before the person sitting Shiva speaks to you first. Speaking about the nifter should be something that is going to give the person an achama. That means you don't ask personal questions like, how many chemos did she have? Or one kind person asked me why I didn't switch hospitals. But if I really loved my daughter, I would have had a transfer to a different hospital. That's what she said too, if you really love your daughter? Yeah. She said, if you really loved your daughter, you would transfer her. Oh my gosh. I have something worse to tell you. If she dies, it's going to be your fault. <sighs> Don't tell stories about others that went through harder nisyonos than you did when you go win person sitting shiva. That is not the meaning of Sarah's Rabbi I don't feel better if someone lost a child and only had one child as opposed to me losing a child when I have more than one. So this Tzoros Rabbim that's not what it means. Telling stories about people that had it harder than you did when you tried to be is not the place. And asking questions, personal questions. I once turned around, that was right after Rifki was nifter. I went to be Menachemovel, a good friend of mine who lost her husband. And the person behind me was asking such ridiculous questions that I, I just, I couldn't anymore. And I turned around and I said, these questions are really very personal questions. The questions you're asking are very personal. She says, but you're supposed to speak about the nifter. I said, yeah, you're supposed to speak about the nifter, but anything you can do to give an achama, not things that are hurtful. I have two friends that said Shiva for their mother. I'm friends with both of them. And one told the other, Suri told Chana, you speak about mommy from the time she was 80 to 82, and I will speak about mommy from the time she was born until she was 80. And she said she'd have to say one word for the for the seven days of Shiva because everyone only had questions about from the mother time the mother got sick and how many chemos she had and where she's buried, all kind of ridiculous questions. So if you're going to be Menachem and Avel, then be Menachem, bring Nechama, say something nice, a story, a memory, even a picture, something that will give a Nechama. Because the most important thing I would say about, about losing someone, or one of the most important things, is that she shouldn't be forgotten or he shouldn't be forgotten. So when you have people that have nice things to say and nice memories, especially things you didn't know, a lot of things are done bitsina privately, which you don't even know about. And you get to hear so many nice things about the people who you loved and cherished and didn't really know. It's just, it's a very big nechama. So yes, I can give you a book full of harmful, painful things, but when my mother was nifter, if you really want to hear something interesting, when my mother was nifter, a woman came and she said, can I ask you a question? And my sister answered. She said, can I ask you a question? And my sister said, sure. She said, how did you know that your mother died? But how did you know that your mother died? So at that point, I just looked down. I put my fingers into the rug because I was afraid I'd just start to look. I think that was respectful. And my sister with the straightest face, you had to know Shami to appreciate it, said, we put a feather under her nose, and when we saw it wasn't moving, we knew. And then I plots laughing because that was so ridiculous. And another lady, really? You mean it? That's real? That's real? And so people have very interesting things of responding. And some people just really don't, don't know what to do. I don't blame anybody, but it's, it's a hard thing. It, it really should be taught. So no one wants to talk about it because you're not supposed to talk about it. But Lamaisa, people really have no idea about the halachas. I, I know, you know, you should know that the Chavrilam de Mishnah, right, who, you know, who's really 
putting out these podcasts, we have a book. It's called To Comfort and Be Comforted. And it goes through with a, a like all the halachas from a dumb, bunch of different well-known speakers, both you know men and women. And it really goes through a lot of all these halachas and the do's and don'ts. When people are nifter, you know, there should be something in every hospital where just like you have, uh, in case of emergency, break the glass, there should be some kind of an emergency thing to know what to do. A lot of people have no idea that you cannot use, eat any food that's been opened. You're not supposed to touch a person that's goises before they're nifter. There are a million things that people do not know that they find out afterwards that they did the wrong thing. So I, I think it's important for people to know Mizonish they shouldn't have to need it. Mashiach Shakamanol should be a not needed subject, but Lamaisa, I think that it should be more known of what a person should do. Rahmanal someone a person is nifter and how to be able to deal during Shiva, what to say, what not to say. Right. So as far as actually the health, the halachas of right after a person is nifter, we actually recently just, just came out with like a, a card that we are putting into all the hospitals and all the bigger holding rooms. But Shiva is, yeah, the halachas of Shiva, what to say and not to say. Also, I remember talking to an aunt of mine and she was telling me about, I don't know, someone that she went to Menachem And also she was asking questions about, you know, second treatment and everything. And the lady said, I, I just, I... I just can't talk about it anymore. So my aunt stopped. I said, well, like, yeah, like what? Like that's not being Menachem. She goes, but you're supposed to talk about the Avel, like what you just said before. And that's not talking about the Avel. Talking about the Avel is talking about their life and what they did and their midos and their learning and whatever. So, yeah. The nifter, not the Avel, the nifter. The nifter, I'm sorry. Yeah. Let's talk about your upbeatness, <laughs> right? The first time I called you, you told me that you're a very upbeat person and that really yeah. helps you very much in your life. So I'm wondering how that helps you today. So I think the Aleph Bays, Aleph Ramuna and Bays for Bitochon is the key. It's the chinuch and the role modeling I saw from my past virus. Happy, upbeat people, who who still live like Kodesh Baruch who still love Hashem, people who have built their lives after losing so many and don't even have a kever to go to. I remind myself that the most states we all saw our lives before we were born, and I chose to come to this world. Given the choice, I would still choose having Rifki for the 32 years that she was ours than not to have had her at all. That gives me tremendous physic, and I think about that a lot. You look at the word lachatz, which means stress, and you remember that HaKadosh Baruch is in front of it, which is a hay in front of the word lachatz. And you remember that HaKadosh Baruch, you remember the hay after the word lachatz, you get the word hatzlacha. You go from stressed to being blessed when you put HaKadosh Baruch into the picture. And we all grow from different ishonos. You take a raw egg and you put it into the fire, it becomes hard. You take wax and you put it into the fire, it melts. Ishonos change us. Role modeling, emuna, bitachon, and seeing the good and appreciating all the things that you do have. I have a kever to go to. I have. I know where it is. I know what the she was nifter. I was able to be there when she was nifter. A lot of things to appreciate and to be upbeat about. Wow. So let me challenge you now. <laughs> If it's okay, this is one of my like hot topics right now. I'm trying to really, really get an understanding. Everything that you said is so is so important and so true and so relevant and and are such like I guess important like teaching points for people. I really think that, but you could still have all that and still say, "But today I'm in so much pain. I just have to cry." Like, when do you give yourself that space to just feel the pain so that? You're not just say, not just pushing it aside and saying like, okay, 
I have a lot to be grateful for, and therefore I'm not feeling the pain. I never said I'm not feeling pain. You're just asking about crying all day. The pain that I'm feeling or, the, or what I'm missing doesn't take away from having Amuna Bitochon and, and really believing that a Baruch who knows what he's doing, that he's in control. But the fact that I had her, I would never give that up. And that's a choice I make. We make choices. We can appreciate what we have instead of what we're lacking. You know, it says, gives us choices and depends how we want to take it. The Shemesh, the sun gives the same sun, gives, makes white things black, like where we sit in the sun. And the sun makes black things white when you put them in this, when you hang up the laundry. And the Kleokra says there that these, it's a matter of how it's taken. It's one sun. Depends on how we want to be makabalit. The sun doesn't change at all. So too is it with brachos and klolos. Everything depends on how you see it. And by kaneah, the month tastes like anything you want to taste like, except for those five things which weren't good for expecting or pregnant women. So based on our moon, which is the sakita simcha, we decide what every flavor of every nisayin should taste like. And we decide how we're going to digest them. So... It doesn't take away my, my missing her, but it doesn't, ha- doesn't mean I have to be in pain and crying. I don't think that being upbeat and crying is a stira. When you say Shema, you say, Everybody Rashi knows that, that Rashi that says, I understand it to mean that you can have two seemingly opposite emotions at the same time. I was very happy at the weddings of Rifki's children. I was also very sad when it was my husband and myself who were the interferers. We were the ones that marked them down, each of them, down the aisle to the chuppah, and not their mother. It's possible to have two opposite feelings, two opposite lebovcha, two opposite things in your heart at the exact same time, and it doesn't one doesn't kind of take one doesn't take away. It's not a steer for the other. So missing her doesn't take away being upbeat, and that's what she would want. She would not want me to be crying and sad. She wants me to be upbeat and happy. And so. Right. <laughs> right. But I, I, I guess what I'm, I guess what's so important is that when people talk about, you know, I have a moon, I have Betacha, and I have a lot of things to be grateful for. I'm lucky I have the Kever. I'm lucky that I had her for 32 years. I would never, you know, give her up. Those kinds of comments could be a cover up for the pain. So I guess my question is, you're saying that you're really feeling the pain and you're still noticing this. No, because it's very important because this is how people could fall into a depression or just snap at their kids one day. <laughs> um, what I'm telling you is from my heart. This is not like a made up thing or a, a facade and I'm really, you know, depressed and sad. I'm really not depressed or sad. I miss her, but I definitely am not sad. She's still a very strong part of my life. Mm-hmm. Wow. I don't mean to be wow. No, I, I think it is. <laughs> Even if you don't mean, I, I, I think it is when there's, you know, so much pain and, and, and you and you still could really, you know, constantly feel the happiness even with the pain. I think that's very amazing. I guess, I don't know if like you have any other lessons of Amuna that you gave over to your students that wowed them or? Yep. Okay. In this past week, I just finished teaching my ninth grade with the Healing Chumash now. And we just finished learning how Hagar kept moving further and further away from her sixth son, Yishmael. And the weaker he got, the farther she moved. Because she couldn't watch her child die. She left him alone to die because of her selfishness. And the Torah tells us that she cried. The Torah listened to the call of Yishmael as her tears were selfish tears. 
I told my ninth grade students that a Yiddish mother would never leave her child to die alone because it would cause the mother too much pain to watch. And the head doctor told me to leave Rifki's room. I stayed and I painfully watched. But Rifki knew that she wasn't dying alone. She knew that her mother was there with her. What happened this week in ninth grade? Now, I don't know how many of my ninth graders knew about Rifki or knew that I lost Rifki, but they definitely got the message. Wow. Wow. But Emunah Bitachon is the key to Simcha. I think coming from a Hasidic background probably also helped the matters. She said, I'm coming from that kind of Sviva where everything's upbeat and sympathetic and music and being alive. Mm-hmm. Wow. One thing that really stuck out of me is how you talk about that your grandmother, you said, buried three children. Yep. I just love the, I guess, the lessons of learning to live from our ancestors because those are the most really, the most powerful lessons. And to pass those down to our children is so, I don't know, so special, so nice. Okay. Well, thank you so, so much. Really appreciate you coming on. You're welcome. You have just listened to an episode by Mrs. Miriam Ribiet. For more episodes or for additional information about future episodes, visit our website at www.chevralomdemishna.org or email mribiet at chevralomdemishna.org. To submit questions or comments for this speaker, to suggest another speaker who might be Mechazic Others, or to sponsor a podcast, visit chevralomdemishna.org forward slash podcast.